66 books of it. There's 33,000 plus verses in here. He said, no, I'm going to get you a verse. Get a verse that, that's your verse. And that's the verse you would sign at the end of your name. And that's the verse that you just anchor your life on. And I didn't have a verse, you know, that really defined me. So I left that conference, and every morning when I'd go to my Bible, my radar was going for a verse. It's like, I need a verse. And I don't remember how long it was, days, weeks, could have been a month. But one day I was in Acts chapter 20, and I was 21 years old, and I got my verse. And I want to share my verse with you today. It's in Acts chapter 20. It's not verse 17, but we're going to begin in verse 17 to get the story here about how we can finish strong. Verse 17 And from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. Say, hey, come here. Let's have a meeting because God's called me to do something else now. I need to move on to Jerusalem. I need to meet with you all. So he called the elders in verse 17. And when they were come to him, Paul said, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and lying in wait of the Jews. That's a good verse. That's not my verse, but it talks about serving the Lord with humility. And, and, you know, sometimes there's tears involved and temptations. Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly like the pastors in this church do. They show you, they teach you, they, they instruct you. These couples that God's called as a ministry here. And that's a great verse. That's not my verse, though, but that's a great verse. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. Paul says, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. All I know in verse 23 is that the Holy Spirit is revealed to me. It's going to be tough. Man, I'm going to go through some stuff. There's going to be bonds. I'm going to end up in jail for the gospel, Paul says here to the elders. I'm going to go through some hard times. There's going to be persecution, afflictions abide me. Oh, here's my verse. When I read this verse 24 years ago, the lights and bells and whistles went off. And and something inside of me said, yeah, that's it. Here it is. I love this verse. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And for 24 years, verse 24 has been an anchor in my heart when I've gone through challenges, trials, whatever. And I just come back to this verse and and this isn't a pat me on the back sermon. I'm not trying to lift this out to, you know, kind of polish my halo in front of you. I'm hoping that if you don't have a verse, you might consider adopting this one as your verse. And if it's not your verse, that you would at least see the truth of this verse, that it can encourage us to finish well. Because Paul, right, Luke wrote here, Luke wrote the gospel, uh, wrote the book of Acts. Paul said here that Luke wrote down, he says, but it's okay. Even though the Holy Spirit has revealed to me in verse 23 that it's not going to be easy living the Christian life. That it's not going to be a cakewalk. That, it's, that not, not everybody's going to like you for what you stand for. Not everyone's going to be receptive to the gospel. And Paul, Paul says, I'm going to be in jail sometimes. And I'm, they're going to throw rocks at me. And, and they're going to falsely accuse me as a heretic. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry 
which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul, in that one statement, expressed passion, fervor. He had this zeal about him. He said, I'm going to finish. And I'm going to finish well. And I'm going to finish strong. And I'm going to run this race. And I'm not going to be moved. And I'm going to have joy. And I'm going to walk with God. And all these things. And I'm sure Paul had some depressed days. Right? I mean, imagine yourself sitting in a jail cell for nothing wrong you've done, but everything right you've done. And we're not talking about three hops in a cot in his day. We're talking about stinky, cold damp, rat infested. Sometimes they would run the sewers through the prisons. It would smell awful. We're talking about prison. And I'm sure there were days when Paul sat there and he got a little depressed. And he thought, is it really worth it? I'm sure he had moments of humanity because that's the human condition. And no matter where you are on the spiritual scale and how close you are to God, we have those days. We entertain ideas of just turning our back on God. Or quitting the ministry. Or doing just doing something else. And so we have those temptations. But the point here is not perfection. It's consistency. Do you come back? Do you end up getting back in with fellowship with the Lord? Say, okay, Lord. Uh, I'm over that now. And yeah, I need to get, we need to get, I need to walk with you and live right. And, but Paul always came back to this, this statement. However, do you notice something here with me? Paul hasn't been saved very long when he said this. You know, it's still new. It's still fresh. He, he just got ignited. He's a bottle rocket. He's soaring. And it's easy to say that when it's all new and fresh and you just came from a camp meeting or a mission trip or you just got saved. Yeah, it's easy. Oh, I'm going to live for God the rest of my life. And that's, that's great. We all say that and we all make promises and vows and sign cards and God, I'm going to do this and that. And then life happens <laughs> and then life gets in the way and bills and, and raising families and keeping the house up and working on the car and, and all these different things get in the way. And, and it's easy to say that in chapter 20. Paul, that's easy for you to say now, but we'll see. We'll see. We hope you do. We hope you finish well, but we'll see. Because we all know people, God love them. It could be us. Let's not get on our high horse this morning. But we all know people who stood here and said, I want Jesus as my Savior, and I'm dedicating the rest of my life to Him. And they haven't been here for six months. And perhaps they're backslidden. And perhaps, and it could be us if we're not careful. And we've all seen that pastor who said, I'm going to change the world for Christ. And he ended up in a situation that destroyed everything. We all know that, and it could be it. Let's not, again, let's not come off too pharisaical because we're all flesh, aren't we? But we don't want to be there, do we? We don't. See, the whole point of this challenge is don't be, don't end up, don't go there. There are things that we can invest and incorporate into our daily life that will help us get to the finish line. And even though we might fall across the finish line, we finish. And we finish well. And we can finish strong. And so, will you finish well, Paul? Now, we all know. You know, we have the benefit. We can kind of read about it. But we can't read about your life. 
You can't read about my life. Just because I'm up here preaching today doesn't mean I'll be up here preaching next year. I want to be. I hope there comes a day when perhaps Pastor Lowell, old and gray and bald-headed, will call me and say, Hey, John, will you come preach? And I'll, be, I'll come in on a walker. And Melissa will trust you. Or I just roll right in. And, and I hope there comes a day when I'll be able to get up here and I'll either have gray hair or no hair. And, and I'm still going. And it's been 20 years. And by the grace of God, I'm here again. It'll only be by the grace of God, by the way. Because I know it's inside me. I live inside here. I know all the junk that I've got to keep in check. Amen, you too. I see some nods. But you can't read. You can't flip through the chapters and see if I finish well. And I can't flip through the chapters of your life and see if you finish well. But oh, I hope you do. I pray you do. So what can we do? That will help us finish well and finish strong. Did Paul finish strong? Let's see the proof. Let's fast forward the tape to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Some of the last writings of the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, all the T books in the New Testament are together. There's five of them. And they're all right there together. So when you find the T books in the New Testament, just keep kind of going around till you find 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now we've... We've turned some pages, but what we've actually done is we've turned through many years of the Apostle Paul's life. And so now we find the aged, seasoned, more experienced Apostle Paul who has been traveling. He has scars on his body. Literally, if Paul the Apostle were to take his shirt off, his back would have scars all down and from whips and rocks. And his face might have been a little contorted because he had been beat and even left for dead one time. They actually threw so many rocks at him, they thought he was dead. They picked him up and threw him over a hill. And God woke him up and said, come on, we're not finished yet. Can't you just take me to heaven now? <laughs> we're not done yet. And now we have Paul facing the executioner's and he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He's writing to his good friend, Timothy, his son, quote, unquote, in the faith. Hurry up, Timothy. Come see me. Verse 9. They're going to kill me. They're going to take my head from me. They can't shut me up. So they'll just take my head. Come see me quickly, Timothy. Demas is no longer here, verse 10. He's gone. He's fallen. He's out there. Why? Because he loves this present world. He loves this present world. Oh, he was with me. He was with the Lord. He was following. He was serving. But the world got him. Secular, you know, things kind of pulled on him Having loved this present world. Verse 10. He's, he, he's gone on to Thessalonica. 
Christians is not here. He's in Galatia. It doesn't say he fell or loved them. You know, he just he had something else to do. Titus, he's over in Dalmatia. Luke's here. Uh, hey, bring Mark. He's profitable to me for the ministry. There's a whole sermon there where Paul and Barnabas had this little misunderstanding or dispute over Mark, and I won't go into the whole sermon, but it's interesting that Paul would not take Mark on a missions trip back in the book of Acts because Mark had abandoned them, and Paul didn't feel that Mark was missions material, and Paul was going on another missions trip, and Barnabas walked over with his relative Mark and said, hey, let's take Mark, and Paul said, oh no, Mark's not ready for this, he's not ready for missions, he doesn't get it, he needs a little more maturity, oh come on Paul, lighten up, relax, you know, Barnabas the encourager, come on, give him, no, no, not this time. The Bible says in Acts 16 that Paul and Barnabas had this dispute over Mark. And Barnabas, uh, Paul went on to his mission trip. And Barnabas had his own mission trip and went with Mark. But now look, he says, hey, bring Mark. I want to see Mark. He's profitable. He's grown a lot. He's all right. He's going to make it. And then he just goes on with some closing words. But the point here in finishing strong is verse 7. I have fought... And he did fight. And the Christian life is a fight. The Christian life is not a cruise ship. It's a what? A battleship. I fought a good fight. I finished. I finished by the grace of God. Got to the end. I kept the faith. Center point. It's not how you begin. It's how you finish. It's not how you begin, it's how you finish. Maybe you didn't begin well. Maybe like me, you had some dysfunction. Maybe like me, you had some challenges and trials. I had a drug addict mom. I had an alcoholic father. I've had three moms in my life. I've been abandoned, rejected, and abused, and all these things. I didn't have a good start. Melissa didn't have a good start. All kinds of stuff in our past. We got together, got married as teenagers, and then we we were fighting, and we we didn't have a good marriage, and everything was falling apart. We We didn't start well. Oh, I hope we finished well. Did you start well? You say, not really. How are you going to finish? That's what's important. Not how you start, how you finish. Three things and I'm done. First thing. Three things that will help us finish strong. Fruit. Okay? I know, it's one word. I have fruit, fellowship, and faithfulness. First one is fruit. Pastor Lowell's been teaching us about the abiding life. John 15. He gave me the book back here, The Satisfying Life. Amazing book. Encouraging book. Lowell and I get together. We talk and pray. And he gave me this book. And he says, hey, taking the church through this. See, that's the key. If we're going to produce fruit in the Christian life, it has to be an abiding in the vine, right? Who's the vine, church? Who is that? Jesus is the vine. And he said, if you abide in me, if you're grafted into me, you're a branch. If you're saved, you're a branch in my life. You're in an organic union with Jesus through the Spirit. I mean, we're connected by Spirit to Jesus Christ. And the Christian life is not about you trying harder. Okay, we've got to try harder. Pray more. Read more. Serve more. No. It's abiding. It's letting the life of Jesus. It's just letting it. Jesus wants to wear your face. He wants to walk in your shoes, even if they are brown and black. He'll walk in them. He doesn't mind. <laughs> so funny. I love this brother. Isn't he amazing? I just love this couple. One day, aren't they amazing? I asked him, how much sleep did you get? Why? I said, you got a brown shoe and a black shoe on. <laughs> but you know what? Could have been me, right? Don't get on my high horse. But he, he wants to walk in your shoes. Jesus wants to just abide. He wants you to be his skin. He wants to fill you with his spirit. And he wants to produce this fruit 
this organic life of Jesus flowing through us as we not try harder, but die to ourselves. Die to our ways and let His life flow through us. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is, talks about love. You need more love? Fruit of the Spirit. You need more joy? Fruit of the Spirit. More self-control? Faith? Meekness? Gentleness? Goodness? And the nine fruit of the Spirit listed there? It's fruit. Paul had this fruit of the Spirit. Paul knew what it was to be so enamored and filled with Jesus Christ. He just said, he said, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He wrote in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, but I'm still living. Yet it's not me. It's who? Christ living in me. Are you living with a spouse who's not saved and they don't get it and you've been praying for them and you're like, oh, I just wish you could. Don't you see it? Don't you? And you're trying to push them into this. And come on, just what's wrong with you? Hey, just shh. My wife would say before I was, Sunday morning, she'd get up and go to church. I'd stay home and watch football. She'd come home and I'd say, how was church? She'd say, I was fine. She'd go sometime. Ah, that's okay. And this happened for some months, right? And then Sunday morning, our routine, she's in church, and I'm home, she's in church, and I'm home, she's in church, and I'm home. She'd come home and she'd say, you know, we need a tie. What tie? What's tie? That's where you give money to the church. Oh, we're not getting money to the church. We can't pay our bills now. And she said, oh, we need to, God will bless us. I said, look, it doesn't, look, at the, look at the budget. <laughs> it doesn't work. And, and she said, I'm telling you, God will, yeah, God will bless us. I said, look, you tithe on your check. Because she, she was employed and I was employed, and I said, you tithe all you want. I'm not tithing. And we fight over that. How much money did you give church Sunday? My 10% little offering. Oh, man, what, could, what we could have done with that? And we fight over those things. See, I wasn't saved. My heart wasn't right with God. And then there was this fruit. There was this fruit coming out of her life. Instead of preaching at me all the time, she just went, shh. And she just, and I'd bring wine coolers home and try to get her a drink with me. And she'd say, I really don't want to do this. She said, oh, come on. And she said, I don't want to do this. You know? But then she just, she wouldn't. She just, Lord, you know. And then over a period of time, I'll tell you how it happened for me. Sunday morning, she'd been praying for me. She wasn't preaching. She was praying. Was fruit coming out of her life. So I'm laying in bed one Sunday morning, and she got up to go to Westview Baptist Church off King Street. So uh, I said, uh, I, I was laying in bed there, and I opened one eye, and I saw her there at the mirror, and she had a nice dress on, and she's doing her hair. And I opened one eye, and I looked at her, and I, I thought to myself, she looks pretty good. So I rolled over and opened the other eye, and I thought, I wonder who the guys are in this church. <laughs> and I'm laying there. And I get thinking, and the Lord will use whatever he's got. The Lord will use jealousy to get you in church. I know that. I wonder if they know she's married. And I rolled back over. I better go to church and at least let the guys know that she's married. Because I don't know who these guys are, even though they're in church. You know, they might not be that Christian... So I got out of bed and I said, hey, I'm going to church. She put her brush down. She said, you are? I said, yeah, I'm going to go to church. She said, I said, I can still see her. She went, oh, goody. <laughs> if you spent a week with Melissa, you saw, you, you could see her doing that. Oh, goody. I saw the old t-shirt and pair of jeans. Went to Westview Baptist Church off King Street. Walked in there. Just all stuck out like a buck. You know, like eight-point buck. I just want everybody to know this dough had a buck. I wasn't there for the right reason. I was just looking around. Yep. She's married. Yep. I sat down. And the pastor got up. And he was kind of pastor, Pastor Malcolm Cadd. 
He wasn't real. He didn't hardly move his feet. But he faithfully just said, this is what this means. And God loves you. And Jesus died. And all these wonderful... And the Holy Spirit began to surround my heart and began to reel me in that day. I didn't get saved that day. But the Holy Spirit got my attention. And my ears perked up. And I was like, I think I'll go back and hear some more of this. And I went back again. And I went back again. And three or four months later, finally, this cold, dark heart cracked. And Jesus stepped in. And washed those sins away and began to teach me how to live for him and began to teach me how to love a wife and teach me how to communicate. And, and then the call to ministry came and da 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 Here we are. But then, you see, the fruit coming out of her life began to lasso my heart. And it took some time. It might take years in your situation, but don't give up. Just stop with the sermons and just let Jesus serve him through you or her. Or that prodigal. Et cetera, et cetera. Fruit. Fruit. Do you have fruit coming out of your life? Can people tell that, that you're connected to Jesus? Do your co-workers, sir, do your co-workers get it that you're a Christian? Is there something coming off your life in the factory or on the construction site where they can tell you're different? You don't laugh at the filthy jokes. You're not going to go drink beer with them on Saturday night. They know there's something about you that's different. And though they might not have said it verbally... Privately, they admire you because you have a strength of character and a depth of integrity that he wants. And he's begging you to open up and tell him about it, but he won't ask you. But he's hoping you will bring it up. He's hoping you will just say, how can I pray for you? And that's going to open the door and he's going to be right here in a couple weeks. I'm telling you, there are people all around us who need to see fruit. Not Phariseeism, not legalism. Fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of Jesus. That will help us finish strong. Secondly, fellowship. Fellowship will help us finish strong. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see that day approaching. Now you're here, and there are some who are not because they got home at midnight last night or one or two in the morning. And there's some who are not here because of a job situation or they're not feeling well or whatever. But you and I both know sometimes we don't come to church simply because we don't want to. And it's our wanter that needs to be changed. God changed my wanter. Help me to understand the importance of fellowship. That when Centerpoint Bible Church puts something in the bulletin and says, Hey, we're going to meet right here. Come be with us. That there's so much importance in that meeting. You know why? Because you bring something to the table. You bring something to the room that no one else can bring. Because you're you. You're unique. And if you're not there, who knows what won't happen. Because you don't have time for it. Or won't make time for it. Because we really do what we want to do, don't we? We make time for what we want to do, don't we? We do. We, uh, come on. Uh, we, we'll sit and watch a three-hour football game. I'll get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to a tree stand when the sun doesn't come up till 5.30 or 6. But I'll be there at 3 o'clock in the morning just because I'm in a tree. <laughs> and we do what we want to do. If you want to be a part of fellowship, you will you don't want to, you won't. And you'll suffer for it. And others will too because you bring something to the room in fellowship. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, don't forsake that. And as you see the day of the Lord approaching, man, get together more often. Because there's something about being together in fellowship that will help us finish 
strong. In our pastoral ministry of 25 years, I'm not saying that's a lot of time. I'm just saying maybe we picked up a few things along the way in a quarter of a century. But we have never, ever once met a strong Christian who's not in fellowship with somebody. Every Christian that we know, maybe your experience is different, but every Christian that we know who is finishing strong has some kind of connection somewhere with a group or a church or a person where they're being mentored, encouraged, discipled. Because God didn't create Christianity for Lone Rangers. You know, Lone Ranger Christians, the mask, the hat, the white horse and all that. He wasn't the Lone Ranger. Why? Because he had a friend, right? And what was his name? Tonto. The younger, the younger crowd has no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> This is a younger church, I guess. I see a few gray hairs out there, but the younger people are like, who are you talking about? What was that? A year ago? You say he died? Oh, the movie. Oh, this is like the black and white version way back. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. But the Lone Ranger back there, I watched him as a kid. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You've seen him. And he wasn't the Lone Ranger, was he, brother? He had a friend, didn't he? He had a friend. Tonto. And they would sit around a campfire. And the Lone Ranger sometimes would have to take a stick and move a few poles around and say, Tonto, I just don't get it. I need, I need to talk to you about something. And do you know what the word Tonto means? Stupid. Look it up. Google it. It does. Even if your friend's stupid, get a friend. <laughs> All right. At least you have somebody. Me and, me and Pat are pretty good friends. I'm stupid. Okay? But he, he puts up with me. <laughs> and, and we get together once in a while. We talk. And he knows I'm stupid, but he still listens to me. <laughs> and get a friend. Get a fellowship. Get in that small group. Be faithful to church. Don't forsake that. You need a tonto. You need a friend. You need somebody to just say, look, I'm struggling. Someone you trust. Someone who can hold confidences. Someone that you know loves you and will respect you. Even if you just, just regurgitate the, the, whatever's going on in your life. And, and you know. You know they love you. Get into fellowship. Paul had fellowship. Paul lists people through his letters. Paul had a Barnabas. Even though they had disagreements, he had a Barnabas. Paul had a Timothy. Paul had, he had all kinds of friends. He had a Luke. He had a Demas. But Demas hit the road. Having loved this present world, he was gone. Paul still loved him, prayed for him, but Demas like, not the world's calling and the world calls us. And we need a Paul in our life. We need a Pastor Lowell, a Pastor Billy. We need a Brock. We need other people. We need their wives. We need friends. We need fellowship. We need center point. Please don't become like that little charcoal grill coal. And here you've got the charcoal. And it's black charcoal. And you dash it down real good. And, poof, and there it is. And it's now it's glowing orange. And you take the tongs. And you remove one coal. And you put it over here on the concrete. And you come back 20 minutes later, and these coals are still feeding off each other. And they're still orange and on fire. There's warmth. And over here, this one cooled off. You can probably pick it up with your hands now. It cooled off. Because it was removed from the source of fellowship. Got busy. Distracted. Don't need it. Got disillusioned. Full of hypocrites. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, we're all hypocritical in some way, aren't we? Let's not use that anymore. I ain't going to church full of hypocrites. Well, come join us. You'll be the next one. (laughs) 
You know, I mean, no, there's a lot of wonderful, genuine Christians in the body of Christ. Just because someone had a bad day. When someone does something wrong, don't forget all the good things they've done. Okay? We all have feet of clay. That's why there's forgiveness in the body of Christ. That's why we need to stay together, feed off each other, this fellowship, and not be over. We've got people like that in our lives. Pastor Don Smith. He pastored Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church for many years. We, were, we served under him. He's one of the, he's a Paul to us. Pastor Don and Joanne, he's a Paul. You know, he's, they're finishing strong. They've retired, but now they're involved in missions. They're not retired. They refired, and they're finishing well. I can, uh, think of a couple who lives way back over the mountain. You ever heard of Panther Lane? Anybody heard of Panther Lane? Way, I'm not talking, real West Virginia, right over here side of this mountain. You go down these roads, it's probably an hour from here, maybe 45 minutes. They live back in this cabin. Rick and Jeannie, 20 years ago, began to mentor us in, the ministry, in, in, in Christianity. And they still do. They still get together. Just, you can name people. Fellowship. Fellowship. Stay in fellowship. Be a part of the things that are advertised. There's a reason that Centerpoint stands up here and says, hey, guess what we're doing? We're having a picnic September 7th. Was it September 7th? Why? Just so we can eat? Yes. <laughs> and fellowship. Right? And learn. I don't go to that church anymore because no one knows my name. How often did you attend? You know, we pastored for 15 years before we went into missions. And every now and then you hear someone say, well, just... You know, I'm not connecting and anything like that. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that person hardly ever came to anything. But now they want to criticize the church that they're not connecting. Come, be a part of the fellowship and you will connect. you got to get proactive. you got to get intentional. Come. I remember a little lady one time on Sunday morning, I was you shaking your head, you know where I'm going. I was going to the pulpit. i got to be there in 30 seconds. I'm walking up the aisle. Older lady, she grabbed my arm. She said, Pastor? I said, yes. How you doing, sister? She said, are you mad at me? I said, no, I'm not mad at you. What's the matter? You haven't talked to me in three Sundays. Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. And outwardly, I'm doing the pastor thing. And inwardly, as a human being, I'm thinking, you haven't said anything to me in three Sundays either. <laughs> you know, it kind of works two ways. All you got to do is walk up and say, hey, Pastor, how you doing? And I would respond, hey, how you doing? And so, we, you know, we get all of our little excuses and God says, come on. That doesn't work. Be a part of the fellowship. You will finish strong. Fruit, fellowship. Lastly, faithfulness. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought. Fought. Good fight. Fight. Fighting through. Pushing through. Going to finish. Leave a legacy. Finish. Finish. Faith. Fought. Finished faith. Paul is about to put his head down on the chopping block. And they're going to take his head from him. And back in Acts 20, he said, I'm going to finish. Well, we'll see. Years later, he writes from prison, I finished. He was faithful. Because he was in the vine and the fruit was there. He was in fellowship. And that produced faithfulness. And he was finishing, finishing, finishing. I live in the same culture you do. I put my pants on the same way you do. I have to 
experience the same thing. We all are in this together, folks. And the culture and the distractions and just life is pulling on us. And in the midst of it all, we have a church situation called Centerpoint Bible Church that we say we're a part of. And we say, I go to Centerpoint and I worship there and I fellowship there. Okay, then listen to what you're saying and come be a part of us and get involved and be a part of fellowship and, and try to work it out and try to work it in. And I'm not trying to give you a list of more things to do. I'm not trying to send you home arguing in the car. I don't want your wife elbowing you. Did you hear what he said? I heard what he said. And you end up fighting all day about it. We need to be in fellowship. I know we're just so busy. And then you end up just destroying your day. No, look, just find out how it's going to work to say, okay, do I really need to spend this much time, this, this, and this, when there's a fellowship or a small group or whatever, and how can I prioritize my situation where it's not a burdensome thing to go home and, and say, oh, great, now we've got to be a part of more fruit, fellowship, and faithfulness. No, no. It's where your wonder is changed. And you want to finish strong, because you're not going to finish strong by accident. I promise you, you won't. You won't finish strong by accident. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. You have to have daily disciplines because what I do today will help me finish well when God takes me from this earth. It's today. I want to finish well today. Today. I'm not thinking right now about, okay, 10, 15, 20 years down the road or whatever. What about today? How can I get to, to the sunset today and lay my head down on my pillow with peace and say, I finished well today? And then do it again tomorrow. And then next week, when temptation, or tri- trials, or challenges, or whatever. And daily, 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 daily decisions, and devotions, and fellowship, and fruit, and faithfulness. And then one day, you wake up, and you see the sunrise. And you don't know that you won't see the sun set, because that day you'll go home. You don't know that that's the day you'll say bye-bye. And that day you're making good decisions and, you, and your track record and you've asked for forgiveness and you're reestablishing peace with God and people. And, and you get to that day and you don't know that in two hours you'll be taken from us. But you're, 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 you're thinking and praying about things and though you're working and stuff, you're, you're, you know, you're in this and all of a sudden and then the phone rings. Pastor Lowell, Pastor Billy, Brock, others. Hey, we got some. Are you sitting down? bad news for you, so-and-so, yeah. You know, we get those calls. We hate those calls, don't we? But we get them. And then there's that mourning and sorrow. But then, but then something else begins to enter in about you. People begin to smile a little bit. Not because you're gone. But they realize you finished well. They're like, you know, he finished well. She finished well. Wow, when's the funeral next week? Ah, oh, it's going to be tough. Hey, can I give a testimony at that fun- at her funeral? Because I want people to know how she impacted my life. To God be the glory. He gets all the glory. He's the only one who can handle the glory, and he's the only one who deserves the glory. Roger, we were talking about that in New Mexico. He gets all the glory. But somebody says, hey, can I speak at his funeral? I have a poem I want to read because that guy, man, he was fruitful and fellowship and faithful, and he finished well. And that's you we're talking about. Like my friend Terry Broadwater, who died a few weeks ago. Did you hear about Terry Broadwater? He was a good friend of ours. He was a pastor in Hagerstown for years. He pastored Bethel Assembly on Wilson Boulevard. Then they started all these Lifehouse churches. There's one here in Martinsburg. And I'm not sure that was connected with him or not. But they started these little Lifehouse churches. 
And I think it was connected. So Terry, 53 years old, we've had dinner, lunch, and just good friends. Went on a mission trip three, four weeks ago to India. And Terry was a hiker. And he and seven or eight other guys, one of his adult sons was with him, maybe two. They're going to these little villages in India last month. And they're sharing the gospel. And they're preaching the Bible. And they're on a mission trip. They're having a great time. And there's pictures all over Facebook. And they're like, it's just standing there together, you know. And Terry's got his big hat and his handkerchief around his neck. And it's a mission trip. And they're like, yeah, man, we're going to the next village. And they're going up this Appalachian, I'm not Appalachian, this Himalayan trail. And it was a very narrow trail. And they were tied in somehow. I don't know all the details, but I got it from J.D. You know, J.D., I think, uh, you know, so he's connected. He's friends with you all. J.D., a pastor here in Martinsburg. J.D. told me two weeks ago they were hiking up this narrow trail on the next missions project. Very narrow, steep cliffs. A herd of cattle coming around the bend, running. I'm not sure a man was hurting them or what. These cattle were boom, 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 boom. They had three seconds. Most of the guys were able to get up against the wall. Terry tried. And a cow bumped off the cliff. It was dead on impact. Changes everything about a mission trip. Now we're about a recovery mission. There's a body down there. Pastor is dead. The son is standing here shredded. The whole world stops. Now we have to call Joanne, his wife. We have to fly the body home. There was a funeral. Morning, we heard about it. We were actually in Appalachia when we got the phone call. A pastor friend from Boonesboro called and said, Hey, you sitting down? Terry Broadwater is dead. <sighs> Fell off the mountain. Then all of a sudden, people start testifying how he finished. I got chills right now. How he finished strong. Man, he finished well. Terry has a little tribute to him right now. God gets all the glory. Jesus, I don't want to eclipse you in any way, shape, or form, but I feel permission to share. Terry finished strong. Oh, he had his days. I've eaten with him at Panera and heard, heard about some of those days. But he kept coming back to the anchor. And he finished serving, strong, joyful, ministering, loving. And people began to write on Facebook and poetry and the funeral. God, send us another Terry Broadwater. Thank you for it. He was a man like us. But he finished strong. He finished strong. And we can all share our stories about those who didn't. But I'm telling you about one who did. He finished strong. How about you? Will you finish strong? Will you? Will I finish strong? I hope so. It depends on what I do today and tomorrow. Next day. Paul. Paul finished. He fought. He finished. He kept the faith. He had fruit, fellowship, faithfulness. How will you finish? Well, more than Paul. More than Terry Broadwater. Jesus. Jesus finished. On the cross, what were his last words? Almost his last words. It is, say it together, finished. Into thy hands 
I commend my spirit. He finished. How about you? How will you finish? You're here this morning. You look good. But will you finish well? Will you finish strong? Let's pray. You stand together. Please.